You're listening to the College Age Movement Podcast. Hey everybody, welcome back in. We are in part four, the final part of our series that we've been walking through, simply entitled Exodus. And what we've been doing is we've been looking at some of the story of the Exodus of the Israelites post-Egypt while they're in the wilderness, these interactions that Moses has with the people, that the people have with God, all of these different things. And if you haven't been uh, with us up to this point, you can catch the first three uh, episodes of that uh, just right here on the podcast. We are going to wrap up in Exodus chapters 33 and 34. Last week, we talked about patience. We talked about the story of Israel worshiping the golden calf after Moses had been talking to God on the mountain for 40 days. They they lost their patience. They created an idol. They worshiped. And there was a ton of fallout that happened from that interaction. And we talked about the fact that not only did the Israelites lose patience, but we so often lose patience, not just with people, but we also lose patience with God. We lose patience uh, when people don't do the things that we want them to do. We lose patience when God doesn't use our time timeline, but actually sticks to his. This week, we're going to wrap up the series by looking at some of the things that are learned from Moses' second trip up the mountain to speak to God. And we're going to start in Exodus chapter 33, verses 12 through 14. It says this, Moses said to the Lord, you have been telling me, lead these people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. You have said, I know you by name and you have found favor with me. But if you're pleased with me, teach me your ways so I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Remember that this nation is your people. The Lord replied, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. My presence will go with you and I will give you rest. There are a couple things to unpack from this passage. And the first one would be this is that we are never alone. So often in our lives, it can be really easy to feel isolated. Every one of our lives are different, but we all have experienced what it feels like to be alone. We can uh, identify with the feeling of isolation. Moses in this moment is finding hesitation in the calling that God has placed on his life because he feels like he might be doing it alone. He says, like you said, Lord, that that I found favor with you. You you said, told me to like lead these people, but who's going to go with me? His humanity says like, I I don't want to do this by myself. But this is the incredible thing about this passage is that when Moses asks who will go with him, God doesn't list off human counterparts. He simply says, I will. When Moses says, who will go with me? God says, I will. I don't know what each one of your individual circumstances are in this season, but but here's what I do know. You are not alone. My hope is that you know that the community of College Age is there for you. If you're in Billings, if you're out of Billings, we would do everything that we possibly can to surround you with family, to surround you with community. But what I also understand is that we're human and we're fallible. We make mistakes and we don't always show up when we should show up. But I I hope that more times than not, we would be there for you. But when it comes to God, I don't have to hope that he's there for you. I don't have to hope that he's there for me. I I, I know, I have confidence that God is never going to leave me alone, that he's never going to leave you alone, that he's always for us, that he is always with us. What if we walked in to all of our situations and all of our circumstances with that confidence that we would be people who said like, I don't know everything about this circumstance. I don't know everything about this situation, but I do know the most important thing. I don't have all the information. I don't have all the facts, but I have one fact and that fact can carry me through any and every situation is that the Lord, my God is with me. He's with us. He's with you and he will go with you. It isn't temporary. 
It's eternal. It wasn't just then, it's now. And it's not just now, it's forever. The second point is this, is that his presence provides more than confidence. It provides rest. When we think about rest, our minds usually immediately think about sleep, right? Which we can all agree is an amazing thing. Like We all say like sleep is good, everybody says amen. But when God tells Moses that he will give him rest, he isn't just talking about physical rest. He's talking about spiritual rest. You see, when we are tired, we know that we need to go to bed. Like We, we, we know we need the recharge. But oftentimes we confuse our phys- physical exhaustion with our spiritual exhaustion. Maybe, just maybe, we don't need more sleep. Maybe we need more Jesus. You see, this is what's really interesting is that that. You and I did not forget to sleep this week. Like some of us slept more, some of us slept less, some of us need more sleep, some of us need less sleep. Like that's all a case by case basis. But nobody forgot to sleep all week. But many of us forgot to spend intentional time with Jesus all week. And that that's not to make you feel guilty on in any stretch of the imagination. It's to remind you, to remind me that Jesus is as necessary to our day as sleep is. And if we became people who understood and prioritized Jesus as much as we prioritize the food that we eat and the, the sleep that we get and all those different things, man, how would our lives change? We have to be intentional about prioritizing Jesus as much as we do anything else. You see, when God speaks this to Moses, when he says that I will give you rest, it doesn't come from a place of control, but a place of understanding. That, that when God says, I will give you rest, it's because he desires for us to be filled up. He desired for Moses to be filled up, not depleted. You see, if we are depleted and we are not filled up, it's going to be really hard for us to do the things that God is calling us to do. We might say yes, but we won't do them to the fullness of our capabilities. Or we might not even be willing to say yes because we're so tired, we can't imagine saying yes to God in that season. God's intention for us will always be human flourishing, and he knows that we don't just need physical rest, we need spiritual rest, and he wants us to be filled to the brim, not depleted. Chapter 33, verses 15 through 17 go on to say this. It says, Then Moses responds to God, If your presence does not go with us, don't send us up from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? The Lord says to Moses, I will do the very thing you've asked because I am pleased with you and I know you by name. I think there's something really incredible about the way that Moses and God interact. Moses was undoubtedly in awe of God, but he also modeled what it meant to have a personal and intimate relationship with the creator of all things. See, Moses was a man of persistent invitation. The Lord already said, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. And Moses responds by saying, your pre- if your presence doesn't go with us, Lord, like don't send us from here. How will anyone know? Like, please go with us. Please go with us. We need to be people of persistent invitation. Moses was a man of persistent invitation. We need to be people of persistent invitation. And yes, I, 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 I want to recognize the fact that we need to be people who invite others in our lives into our spheres. We need to invite people to church. We need to invite people to, to be around people that motivate us. We need to be, invite people to be around people that push us towards Jesus. No question at all. But what I'm saying when, we, when I say that we need to be people of persistent invitation is that we also need to be people who constantly invite the Spirit of God to move through our lives. 
over and over and over through scripture, God makes it really clear that he wants to be invited into our lives. Even from the beginning of time itself, God gave us free will because he did not want us to be robots. He didn't have to give us free will, but he wanted invitation, not obligation. Revelation chapter 3, verse 20. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. God is knocking. God is waiting to be invited in. He is not knocking the door down. It's our job to invite him in. It's our job to engage with our Savior. And if we're to do that, what's the result of us being people who are persistent inviters, who have a posture of invitation? I, I think that what happens is the same thing that God, that Moses was so desperate for, and that's this, is that people would know that God is with us, that if we constantly invite God to be in our lives, he will be in our lives, and when he is in our lives, people will see just that. One of my friends, Mark Johnson, he's a, an incredible man who's on staff here. He leads our men's ministry and our family life ministry and just have so much respect for him. And, and when he prays, he often says this phrase. He says, Lord, here's our lives. Have your way with them. I just think that that is such a beautiful picture of posture, that, that we would be people who sit before God and we have our hands open and we say, Lord, here's our lives. Like, do whatever you want with those lives. We, we have hopes and we have dreams and we have skills and we have attributes and we have families and we have jobs and we have all these different things. But what we know undoubtedly is we want you to have your ways, your way with our lives. We invite you into our lives. See, one of the most pressing things that, that we have to fight against as followers of Jesus is to take the focus off of us and put it onto God and put it onto the desires that he has for us. Moses said, how will anyone know that you're pleased with us unless you go with us? How will anybody know that you're with us unless you're with us? Would we be people who are in desperate pursuit of others seeing Jesus in our lives? Who are desperate that others wouldn't see us and say, wow, look how amazing they are. Look how amazing Evan is. Look how amazing you are. Like all those different things. Would people look at our lives and say, wow, look how amazing God is because of what he's doing in their lives. Exodus chapter 33, verse 18, simply says this. Moses responds to God and just says, Now show me your glory. Now show me your glory. This short statement leads to an interaction between Moses and God, and God walks by Moses but does not let him see his face because he says, Moses, if I showed you my full glory, you would die. You would not be able to live if you saw my face. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to cover your face, and then once I'm past you, I will uncover your eyes and you will see my back. This, this interaction happens. It's incredible. It's the beginning of chapter 34 of Exodus. Read it if you have the time to do so. But I want to look at the request itself. Moses saying, show me your glory. Show me your glory. Show me your glory, not bring me my glory. Show me your glory. What a posture. Mo Moses knew that he was going to continue to lead the nation of Israel for, for a time. He, he knew that he was going to be in charge. It could have been really easy for him to continually focus on himself. Instead, he was far more interest in, interested in God and his glory. He wanted God to be glorified through him. My hope and prayer is that you and I never become numb to the glory of God. 
that we would be people who are in constant pursuit of seeing what God is going to do next, and that we would so desperately want others to see his glory through us. That, that as we live our lives, there would never be a question about who we serve. There would never be a question about what we're about. But God would just show his glory through us to others. So they have this interaction. Moses sees the glory of God. And then Moses says this to God in Exodus chapter 34, verses 8 through 9. He says, Moses bowed to the ground at once and worshiped. Lord, he said. If I have found favor in your eyes, if I have found favor in your eyes, then let the Lord go with us. If I found favor, then go with us. Although this is a stiff-necked people, forgive our wickedness and our sin and take us as your inheritance. So Moses, in this moment, bows at the feet of God and says, If I have found favor in your eyes, then take us as your inheritance. This is the last point this week, is that it's us and our, not them, and there. This is just doubling down on a point from last week. Moses led well because he loved well. He looked on the people around him, not with judgment, but with empathy and not with hatred, but with love. Moses so easily could have asked for a separate outcome than the people that were around him. He wasn't a part of a lot of the sin. He wasn't a part of a lot of the brokenness. He was imperfect, but he didn't worship the golden calf. And he wasn't so impatient with God and all these things. Like he was having personal relationship with God and he could have distanced himself, but instead he leaned into his people and advocated for them all the more. And maybe we could learn from that today. Instead of focusing on what sets us apart, we would focus on things that bring us together. And that in that, maybe we will realize that knowing Jesus, being known by Jesus, and helping others know Jesus is all that matters. Now, I fully understand. I had a conversation with a student last night, and he brought up a really good point. He said, well, God says that, that we're set apart. Like, if we choose to be chosen, I, I love that phrase that he used. If we choose to be chosen, like, God has set us apart. And 100 percent there i'm not i'm not here telling you that there's not consequences the decisions that we make and like it doesn't matter if people follow jesus or not jesus said that i'm the way the truth and the life the only way to the father is through me like yes like we are we are chosen we have chosen to be chosen but could we be people who can recognize that there are people who are spiritually unresolved and haven't made the decision to follow jesus and never treat them that way that we would never have a mentality that would say oh it's us versus them that it's our group versus that group, or we're over here and they're over there. Would we run to relationship with people in desperate, desperate hope that they would know the love and the grace and the forgiveness of Jesus? I want to end with the last uh, several verses from chapter 34. It says this in uh, verses 29 through 35. It says, When Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tablets of the covenant law in his hands, so I'm going to pause here. When he comes down and sees them worshiping the golden calf, remember, he breaks the Ten Commandments. He's pissed. He, he, he breaks the Ten Commandments. So he has to go up and receive the Ten Commandments and the rest of the law from God again. So when Moses came down from the mountain with two tablets of the covenant of the law the second time, he was not aware that his face was radiant because he had spoken with the Lord. When Aaron and all the Israelites saw Moses, his face was radiant, and they were afraid to come near him. But Moses called to them. So Aaron and all the leaders of the community came back to him, and he spoke to them. Afterward, all the Israelites came near him, and he gave them all the commands of the Lord had given him on the mountain. When Moses finished speaking to them, he put a veil over his face. But whenever he entered the Lord's presence to speak with him, he removed the veil until he came out. And when he came out, came out to tell the Israelites what he had been commanded, they saw that his face was radiant. Then Moses would put the veil back over his face until he went to speak with the Lord. This is the only thing I want to say, and we're going to end with this. 
would we be people who truly, truly understand that when we spend intentional time in the presence of Jesus, there will be no question about who it is that we serve. When we truly spend time in the presence of Jesus, I promise that it will be really hard to miss. Thank you for listening to the College Age Movement podcast. College Age Movement's in-person gatherings meet Tuesday nights at 7, and we would love to have you there. If you are unable to join us in person, you can engage online at faithchapel.cc or follow us on our socials at collegeagemvmt.